Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Football Insiders podcast show, The Inside Track. I'm your host, Lewis Pierce, and with me today to start with, I'm joined by our transfers expert, the Scoop King, Pete O'Rourke. In today's show, we'll have exclusive news from Pete about Celtic and Rangers leading up to the January transfer window, with the old firm on the horizon at Celtic Park. Sounds like one half of Glasgow will be incredibly busy during the transfer window, while the other will be looking at long-term deals instead. We'll have all the latest news on potential incoming signings into Celtic, including Fabio Silva and Bojan Miowski, in light of a number of Celtic stars attending the Asian Cup. We'll also have exclusive news on Matt O'Reilly's future as the Denmark International continues to gather interest from a host of clubs. Additionally, we'll discuss all the latest news from Ibrox, including Hearts captain Lauren Shankland and former Motherwell striker Mickey Van Veen. We'll also hear an update on Adilassima's future at Rangers, with his loan deal attracting interest from many clubs given his superb form. Once we wrap up the transfer news, we'll be discussing the old firm with Football Insider social media editor Daniel Bowers and former Celtic and West Ham striker Frank McAvenny in part two of the show. Before we jump in, I'd really appreciate it if you hit that follow button on your preferred podcast platform. And if you like what you hear, make sure to give our pod a top review and rating. This enables us to produce the very best possible show. Let's get straight into part one of the episode. All right, Pete, to start with, let's talk about Celtic going into the January transfer window. What positions is Brendan Rodgers targeting going into the window? Yeah, I think I'm expecting Celtic to be relatively uh, busy in this January transfer window. There is a few positions in the team that Brendan Rodgers would like to strengthen in. Uh, He feels the squad is a bit thin and I think the priority for them going into this uh, January window will be a new striker. Obviously, they do see Kyogo and O go away on international duty to the Asian Cup in January. So that leaves them a bit short up front. So, yeah, I think striker is the number one priority. But there is other areas of the team that he's looking to strengthen in as well. A goal-scoring midfielder is something that Brenton Rogers would like to uh, bring in if possible. Also, a left-sided winger. A potentially a goalkeeper, not a top priority, but it is an area of the team that does need strengthening long term, really, with still Joe Hart uh, coming to the end of his contract this summer as well and still no decision made on him. But yeah, I think striker will be the number one priority for Celtic. And if they get any more than that, I think it'll be a bonus for Brendan Rodgers and the rest of the Celtic recruitment team. And if we focus for a minute, Pete, before talking about specific names, what sort of budget are we roughly looking at going into the window? Yeah, obviously Celtic... uh, Finances aren't in bad order, but obviously crashing out of Europe has hit their budget. Um, if they had a, remained in the Champions League into the new year or even the Europa League, that would have given a, a bigger transfer kitty for Brendan Rodgers to go and spend. But we all know the January transfer window is very difficult to navigate. Um, there won't be massive amounts of money for Brendan Rodgers to use. So he's going to have to be sort of savvy in the market. He might have to sell to buy as well, just to increase his transfer uh, kitty going into the new year. But yeah, I think Celtic probably looking around maybe the six to 10 million mark, I think for uh, a transfer budget to be used. But again, obviously in January, no, not a lot of money is spent and uh, loans do seem to be the normal in January. So I'm sure Brendan Rogers and the recruitment team up at uh, Celtic Park will be exploring that loan uh, market as well to see what are the best alternatives out there for them. Pete, you mentioned in there earlier that actually they're looking at an attacking midfielder potentially from a goal-scoring perspective. Now, according to Guangzhou FC, the South Korean club, their midfielder, Jung Ho Yon, is in advance talk with Celtic over a potential January move. Is there actually validity in that story? I think there is a bit of interest there. Whether he's Celtic's number one target, I'm not too sure. He's relatively unproven uh, 
the young South Korean player. So I think Brendan Rodgers ideally would like somebody who could come straight into the team, add goals uh, to his side as well. Obviously, Matt O'Reilly's had a very good season so far for Celtic. He's been the one scoring the goals for midfield as well. But they've really missed uh, Rio Hatate. Uh, he's been sidelined for quite a long period now. So he's been a big miss for Celtic and uh, they've missed his goals and his guile in midfield as well. So I think that's why Brendan Rodgers is looking at this midfielder. Also, the Portuguese player Thiago Aru has been mentioned as a potential target for Celtic. That's a deal that they're also exploring as well. I think he would probably be further down the line than uh, the South Korean midfielder from uh, Gujun FC. I think, obviously, Celtic have had a great deal of success signing uh, Asian players from the J-League and also the K-League as well. So, it's a market they're well aware of, and, and that's maybe why they're looking at Jung Ho Young as well. An interesting story, Pete, that's rolling for quite a while is that it sounds like both Celtic and Rangers are interested in Fabio Silva, the young striker, Portuguese forward from Wolves. Are there any updates on this, please? And is he vying towards one or the other club? I don't think there's... It's not as far advanced as that, I think, at the minute, for Fabio Silva to be making a decision on where he would like to go. I think Celtic probably... Leading the race for this one, if uh, it was to leave Molyneux on loan, it would be a loan deal. I don't think any of the Celtic Rangers would be able to afford a deal for Fabio Silva on a permanent basis. Uh, but if he's not getting much of a look in at Wolves, uh, which does seem likely that he is down the pecking order in Gary O'Neill's plans, maybe a loan move would suit all parties. Um, Celtic have kept tabs on Fabio Silva for quite a while now, so they have uh, done extensive uh, scouting on him, and I think maybe for Celtic, getting him on loan with the potential uh, to maybe make it a permanent come the end of the season, uh, depending on how successful the loan move will be, would be something that might uh, suit Celtic, I think, in that respect. So, yeah, I think Celtic probably ahead of Rangers in this chase for Fabio Silverware, but I think the final decision will come down to Wolves and uh, a lot might depend on whether they're able to bring in a striker to allow them to let uh, Fabio Silva go out on loan because that's an area of the team that Wolves are looking to strengthen in as well, but they don't have a massive transfer kitty to use in this January transfer window as well. So again, I think if a move is to happen for Fabio Silva, Wolves would have to bring in a striker of their own. And would either of the club be expected to be paying his wages? How can you see that split happening? Yeah, I don't think either Celtic or Rangers could probably afford to pay the full wages of Fabio Silva. He was a big money signing uh, for Wolves when they did sign him uh, a few years ago. Obviously, he's not hit the heights that have been expected of him at Molyneux as well, but he's on a big wage there at the club. And the Premier League wages compared to the Scottish Premiership wages are a big difference between that. So I think for, if Celtic or Rangers were to pursue a move for Fabio Silva, I think they'd only be contributing towards his wages. It wouldn't be a full uh, wage that they would be paying for him. And they'd be hoping that Wolves would maybe do them a favour and uh, pay the majority of his wages with uh, Celtic and Rangers uh, paying uh, the rest of it and uh, paying a, a decent percentage of those wages. And it sounds like Aberdeen have made clear that their star man, talking of strikers, Bojan Miofsky, is going to be valued at around probably the maximum mark that we we discussed for Celtic's transfer, Kitty. Do you think that's going to put Celtic off or actually are, is there clear interest in, in the forward? Yeah, I don't think it'll put Celtic off. Um, there's definitely clear interest uh, from Celtic. They have been watching him. For quite a while now, he's a player that's high up on Brendan Rodgers' list of potential attacking reinforcements. Um, they will be waiting to see what happens with Aberdeen. Obviously, Aberdeen do not really want to lose Miofsky because he's a key man for them and they've struggled so far this season. They don't want to be dragged into this relegation fight, so they'll want to keep hold of Miofsky. But a lot of it might come down to the player. If uh, he's aware of Celtic's interest in him and Celtic do 
follow it up with a firm offer for him. It's a situation where Miofsky might push for that move, hoping to get a move to Celtic to be competing for titles and uh, trophies and, and maybe playing in Europe next season as well, playing at the highest level because he showed this season in Europe as well for Aberdeen that he, he can perform at that level, scoring several goals for them as well. So I think Aberdeen, until that transfer window closes on January, they can't be sure that Miofsky will stay at Pataudry. And I'm sure Celtic, as we've seen in the past, Celtic and Rangers, if there's a player performing well for the other clubs in Scotland. Uh, if one of the big boys come for you, it's pretty hard to keep hold of them. It does happen very often, doesn't it? I mean, one last piece of news before we move on to outgoings that I thought was quite interesting, Pete, to discuss is that Al Itihad, it sounds like, are pushing Jota, the former Celtic star, out of the door. Could he potentially return to Celtic Park? Could there be a reunion there with Brendan Rodgers? Uh, never said never. Um, obviously, he was a massive success at Celtic. Yotto uh, when he first arrived and uh, really was an outstanding player for Celtic and one of the best players in Scotland and that one of that big money move to Al Ittihad. Obviously, the deal hasn't worked out for the Portuguese as he probably expected. Um, I'm sure if the opportunity was there for Celtic to bring him back, it's something that Brendan Rodgers would definitely look at. I think they have missed his spark uh, this season in the final third, he could win a game on his own. Jota, as he proved during his time at Celtic as well, and it'd be a huge lift to the Celtic uh, fans, I think, and also the team if they were able to bring him back. But again, a lot of it's going to come down to wages. His wages are astronom astronomical now following that move to Saudi Arabia. So Celtic could get nowhere near those right now as well. And also there will be a lot of interest in Jota, uh, probably from English Premier League clubs, if he is made available in the January window by al So again, that might price Celtic out of a move for their former hero. And looking at their outgoings, Pete, are there any people that Brent, are there you know, any players that Brendan Rodgers is looking at le maybe leaving specifically? Yeah, there's obviously, uh, Brendan Rodgers has admitted that maybe the squad is imbalanced and the, there's a lot of uh, players uh, on the fringes and not going to be in his plans. I think uh, Marco Tilo, who arrived in the summer, the striker, he might have to go out on loan because he's hardly had a look in since his arrival. So he could be one name that could move on. Uh, it looks like Iriguchi, the Japanese midfielder, could be making a permanent move away from Glasgow. He's been out on loan this season and has performed quite well. So if Celtic can get their money back on him, I think uh, that would represent good business as well. Benjamin Seacrest, the goalkeeper, could potentially also leave uh, if a suitable offer came in. He's not really fought uh, that for that number one shirt with Joe Hart. He's been the undisputed number one for Celtic this season. And Scott Bain is also ahead of Seagrest probably in the goalkeeping plans as well. So he could be one that could possibly move on. Also, Kobayashi, uh, the midfielder as well, could be allowed to move on if an offer was to come in for him. And there's always, always been question marks around Alexandro Bernabia, the, the left back, the Argentine, who's really struggled to hold down and uh, make an impact in that Celtic starting 11 as well. So I think Celtic would maybe listen to offers for players like that. And also another one I think Celtic would love uh, to maybe move on would be James McCarthy, obviously the former Republic of Ireland international, nowhere near it at uh, Celtic right now. He's not in the plans, um, but he's still a big wage earner there and has, is on a lucrative contract. So I think if Celtic could maybe move him on, that would uh, increase their transfer kitty as well and also help balance the books at Celtic Park. And as reported by Football Insider, Pete, it sounds like Celtic don't want to sell Matt O'Reilly at all in the January transfer window, despite interest from in Premier League clubs. Do you have any further information on this for us? Yeah, obviously, no doubts there's going to be interest uh, 
in Matt O'Reilly. For me, he's probably been Celtic's best player this season, so that's why he is garnering interest uh, heading up to the January transfer window. But there's no way that Celtic will countenance a sale of Matt O'Reilly uh, in the January transfer window. It would command a huge fee for them to even reluctantly consider to letting him move on. And also the player is happy at Celtic. He wants to stay there. He's uh, enjoying his football under Brendan Rodgers, um, scoring goals in midfield. And I think it's probably not the right time for him to be even thinking of moving on, moving midway through the season. I think if he continues his form, which he's shown for Celtic so far this season, I think there'll definitely be major interest in Matt O'Reilly come the summer. But he wants to stay at Celtic Park right now. He wants to help Celtic retain that Scottish Premiership title. And uh, that's his main focus right now is to stay and uh, do his best for Celtic. So I don't ex- I don't think there will be a move for Matt O'Reilly in January. And that can only be positive news for Brendan Rodgers. And what sort of valuation did the club have on the midfielder? Well, obviously Celtic uh, pulled off a bit of a steal when they signed him uh, uh, initially on a free transfer as well. So um, I think it would be a massive profit for Celtic if they do consider selling them in the going market right now. You're probably looking between 25 to 30 million for a player like Matt O'Reilly, who's played at the highest level in the Champions League for Celtic this season as well. And he's a goal-scoring midfielder and there's not too many of those about right now. And still at such a young age as well, I think he's only going to get better and better and go from strength to strength. So I think Celtic could demand a huge fee for him if they do want to sell him. But as I said, that's not under thinking right now for January. But I think come the summer, there will be a lot of uh, clubs, not just in the English Premier League, but also across Europe, who will be ready to test Celtic's resolve to, to hang on to Matt O'Reilly. And Pete, to wrap up Celtic, can you give us any information, please, on Nat Phillips? You know, there's been talk for quite a while that his loan's going to be terminated, but it hasn't happened yet. Do you see that happening potentially going into January? Yeah, I think it's looking pretty inevitable that Celtic will end that loan deal for Nat Phillips. Obviously, he was a late signing in the summer transfer window when Celtic had a few concerns at centre-back as well, letting Carl Starfelt leave and also a few injury problems as well to Cameron Carter-Vickers plus others. So it's been a move that just hasn't worked out for either party. Matt Phillips, uh, he's not played as much first-team football as he would have liked. And uh, when he has played, he has come under a, uh, a bit of fire from some Celtic fans with that last outing and that shock defeat to Kilmarnock a, a few weeks back as well. So, yeah, I think Celtic would be happy to let him return to Liverpool. That would uh, make room in the squad for a potential new signing and also... Uh, save on the wage bill as well. And, and I'm sure Liverpool, ideally, would like to see Nat Phillips maybe go out alone somewhere else uh, in January and uh, get regular first-team football because he, he's unlikely to get that at Liverpool right now and uh, probably best that he goes out alone to another club to uh, get regular action and maybe put himself in the shop window for another club. And if we focus now, Pete, on Rangers and talk about their incomings, what positions is Philippe Clement targeting going into their window? Yeah, obviously, Rangers are... Looking at the January market to try and build on the success they've under, had under Philippe Clement uh, in his early months in charge at Ibrox. A bit like Celtic, striker is the main priority if they can bring somebody in to help uh, score them goals in the second half of the season. Uh, that is their priority target. Also, a left-back is another area of the team that Philippe Clement would like to reinforce that as well. Also, the Vols, uh, Borna Barisic is coming to the end of his contract. Uh, he is in the final six months of his deal now at Ibrox and it's uncertain whether he will be extending that or maybe moving on in a free transfer while the Turkish boy Yilmaz just hasn't really nailed down a regular place uh, in that Rangers side as well. He was meant to come in and provide competition to Barisic, but it just hasn't worked out for him as well. So I think um, that's uh, another area of the team that Clement would like to bring in would be left back uh, and also a striker. But as I mentioned, I think Rangers slightly different 
shopping in a different market from Celtic probably in this January uh, window they'll be looking at small fees and loan deals uh, preferably if they are to bring in new players but don't think a massive uh, window ahead for Rangers but if they can get those two positions I think uh, that will only strengthen their squad and uh, give them a good boost heading into the second half of the season Absolutely. I'm sure both clubs are going to be desperate to push, keep pushing for that title race. And, and so that means, of course, that they will bolster. Pete, what do you make of the, the links with Lawrence Shanklin from Hearts to Rangers? Is that one that's likely to happen in the summer? Or is there any validity in it happening potentially in January? Yeah, I think obviously there, there is interest there from Rangers. No surprise either. Obviously, he, Lawrence Shanklin has probably been the best striker in the Scottish Premiership this season. Uh, that's been shown in his form and his performances for Hearts. Um He's at the peak of his career for me right now as well. He would be a brilliant addition for Rangers, but it's, it's not a straightforward deal to do by any stretch, really. He's coming into the final 18 months of his contract at Hearts. Uh, the player himself is refusing to rule out a move away, and but I think Hearts would drive a really hard bargain if they were to sell Lawrence Shanklin in the January transfer window. You're probably looking at at least £3 million plus for the Scotland international. And I don't think Rangers would go to that right now unless players were to leave and that might boost the transfer kitty for Philippe Clement. But yeah, I think right now, if there's a move to happen for Lawrence Shanklin, I think it'll be more the summer than January. But I'm sure Rangers might just uh, chance their arm and maybe uh, make a few uh, offers for Shanklin just to see if Hearts would consider letting him go. So, but yeah, I think, yeah. For Rangers right now, they are keeping a, a very close eye on his situation at Tynecastle, and their uh, hearts are bracing themselves for offers for their for their captain. And um, what about current Groningen star Kevin Van Veen? Of course, formerly at Motherwell, twenty nine goals all competitions last season. If the right offers made, do you think he could potentially move to Ibrox? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a good possibility. I think there's a better possibility of uh, Rangers landing Van Veen than Lawrence Shanklin. He would fit. Uh, sort of the budget that Rangers are working under for January as well. A loan deal would suit all parties. Obviously, Van Veen had a great season for Motherwell last year, scoring 29 goals. So he's proven in the Scottish Premiership and that's what Rangers would like as well, rather than maybe looking abroad for a sign-in from somewhere else. They know Van Veen knows the Scottish League inside out and could hit the ground running if they were to pursue a move for the former Motherwell man. And it does seem Van Veen is interested in a move back to Scotland for family reasons as well. So he ticks all the boxes for Rangers right now. A loan deal could happen. I think Groningen would be open to that. And uh, I think Van Veen is very much interested in a move back to Scotland. And Rangers did show a bit of interest in uh, the Dutchman in the summer transfer window before moving on to other targets. So there has been a long-term interest there. And I think he's probably right now a more viable target just due to his availability on loan and uh, the budget as well that uh, Rangers are working under. And the midfield, Pete, has been stung with injuries this season. I mean, there's countless injuries they've had. Could potentially Ianis Hadji at Alaves or Alex Lowry at the heart of Mithodolian, could they be recalled to bolster their options in midfield, potentially? Yeah, obviously, they have been hit badly by injuries uh, this season. Uh, Rangers in midfield, I think it's an area of the team that Philippe Clement would like to uh, improve on. Um, obviously, he'll be hoping to get those injured players back sooner rather than later. I'm sure they'll be exploring all options. I don't think right now they are pushing to bring those players back from their loan deals. They are happy for them to stay out there and continue getting regular first-team football because if they do return and the injured players uh, come back to fitness, it's just going to push them further down the pecking order right now. And as I said, I think the priorities right now for Philippe Clement is to bring in that striker and that left-back. He thinks that 
will help solidify his squad ready for that title charge in the second half of the season. But yeah, I'm sure the Rangers' uh, new director of football, Niels Koopen, will be looking at all options. And if, a, if the right midfielder does come along and it, it's a deal that suits Rangers um, for a small fee or even a long deal, I think it's something they would definitely pursue. But I think uh, Philip Clement will be hoping that his injured stars can return sooner rather than later. And are there any left-backs, Pete, that have been named, that have been spoken about potentially that are going to be signed? No names as yet. Uh, obviously, they are looking at that area of the team that they can uh, see if they can strengthen in. Obviously, Dujon Sterling, such a versatile player, he could uh, potentially fill in at left-back if needed. He can play a right-back. He, he's even been playing in midfield this season, which is probably not a position that he's used to playing, but it's a... Uh, Needs must right now for Rangers uh, with all with those injury problems that players have had to fill in at, at different positions. Um, as I said, I'm sure in, uh, Rangers will be looking at the English Premier League to see if there's any loan deals they can potentially look at for that left back option as well. And obviously, the influence of uh, Clement and uh, Niels Copen uh, and their contacts in Dutch and Belgian football, I'm sure they'll be looking at those. Uh, countries to see what potential targets do uh, come up in January and that again they'll be looking at left backs from all over Europe to see if there's somebody who can come in and help improve the team right away and as I said Barisic is the number one left back at Rangers right now as well so it's not a massive need uh, to bring somebody in right now uh, don't think he will be leaving in January unless they, they get a good offer for him so They'll be looking to see if they can keep hold of Barisic long-term. But I think coming into next summer, I think left-back will be an area of the team that they need to make a permanent signing. And there's some talk, Pete, according to Football Insider, that Mason Holgate could have his loan at Southampton terminated by Everton and could join Rangers for the second half of the season. Is that is that possible? Is there any likelihood of that actually happening? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he is a player that's on the list of a number of clubs. Um, obviously, Mason Holgate went to Southampton and... Unfortunately for him, he's not had much of a look in due to Southampton's flying form uh, more than anything else. Uh, they've been on a great unbeaten run under Russell Martin and I'm sure Mason Holgate himself would prefer to be playing on a regular basis. So he will look at his options come January. Everton, I'm sure as well, would also like to see Mason Holgate uh, get a regular run uh, somewhere else out on loan as well. So they'll be exploring the options in January. Obviously, a great deal of experience, Mason Holgate, uh, playing in the Premier League for Everton. So I think if Rangers were to pursue their interest in him, he could be a, an astute signing. He can play a centre-back, he can play a right-back, could even fill in at left-back as well. But I think if Rangers were to move for him, he could be a, a good signing. And uh, I'm sure it's a, a move that Mason Holgate would definitely consider as well, as long as he's guaranteed regular first-team football. So it sounds like quite a potential incoming quiet transfer window, Pete, for Rangers. Can we see any potential outgoings happening in the window? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be players who maybe not happy with uh, their their game time at uh, Ibrox right now under Philippe Clement. Um, obviously, they will be looking to see if they can maybe shift players out. So then it uh, frees up space in the squad to, to bring in some new signings and also maybe increase the transfer kitty as well. But as we've mentioned as well here, Lewis, they've got a lot of injury problems right now, Rangers, so they won't really want to lose too many other players from that squad that want to keep everybody together because they know how big a second half of the season they've got coming up. They're still in Europe as well with the Europa League to come around as well. So they won't want to weaken themselves with uh, the rigours of playing in European football and then getting back to domestic action as well. So I think Philippe Clement now is evaluated the squad now. He's been in there, but yeah, I think he'll be looking to keep hold of players rather than uh, letting anybody move on.
You mentioned one name earlier, Pete, Borja Barisic. We talked about another player that's out of contract, end of the season, John Lundstrom. Can Rangers fans expect him to stay on at Ibrox or is it likely that he might move on? Yeah, it's more and more difficult uh, when there's less time on those contracts that these players would end up staying. Obviously, Lundstrom's uh, been a good signing for Rangers. He's been very influential. He's a huge fans' favourite at Ibrox as well. But with due to his contract situation, I'm sure there will be a number of clubs in England and elsewhere around Europe just looking at Lundstrom ready to make a move for him. So when you've got players coming into the final six months of their contracts like Lundstrom and uh, Barisic, Rangers might have to make a decision on both players in January. I'm sure Philip Clement would hope that the club would keep hold of them uh, as they want to maintain this uh, title challenge with Celtic. So he won't want to lose two of his best players in January, but this is going to be realistically Rangers' last chance to to get a decent transfer fee for both players, uh, especially if there's no progress in contract talks and both players are happier to run down the contract. So big decisions to be made by that uh, Rangers recruitment team uh, in the January transfer window with these players uh, seeing their contracts expire come next summer. And how about Abdallah Seema, the on-loan player from Brighton? What are the odds of him staying at the club? Are there any talks about that potentially being extended? Yeah, obviously, he's been a big success story for Rangers since his loan move from Brighton. Really uh, being a standout player under Clement uh, down that left side, scoring goals, providing goals as well, playing a key role in them closing the gap on Celtic in the league and also making that uh, last 16 of the Europa League as well. The only issue for Rangers is with his uh, performances and uh, his form right now for Rangers, it just sees his price tag go up. Um, he doesn't really figure in the plans of Brighton going forward and Brighton are pretty well stocked with attacking players. So I think Brighton would be open to selling uh, Seema on a permanent basis. I don't see a deal happening in January for Seema. I think uh, he'll just uh, remain at Rangers on loan until the end of the season and Rangers then will then try and make that deal permanent if they can. But for Rangers, probably right now, they need to try and uh, do a deal pretty quickly for him because I think his performances will only increase interest from other clubs in him as well. And that could maybe see Seymour being pressed out of a move for uh, two Rangers on a permanent basis because I'm sure Brighton will be hoping for top dollar for uh, the versatile attacker come the summer as well. And I think for Rangers right now, talks will be being held with Brighton to see if a deal can be done. But I think it's more than likely that uh, any permanent move for Seymour would happen in the summer. And what sort of valuation are we talking, Pete? I know it might be early days, and of course he could continue performing this season. But roughly, what would you what would you put his price tag as? Yeah, obviously, I think in the going rates right now, you probably look between ten to fifteen million for something like Seema. And Rangers wouldn't be able to do that in January. They might be able to look at it again in the summer. But if he continues to perform, uh, especially in European football, that's just going to open the shop window even more for Seema, maybe for a big money move. And Brighton did pay a decent transfer fee when they did sign him from the Czech Republic a, a few seasons back as well so they will be looking most of their money back on Seema and they'll only be the ones to benefit if he continues to to shine at Rangers it's only going to put his price tag up and as I said I think you'll be looking at between 10 to 15 million for uh, Seema's signature come the summer We'll now hear from Football Insider social media editor Daniel Bowers and former Celtic and West Ham striker Frank McAvenny about their perspective on all things surrounding the old firm. All the thoughts on Pete's exclusive transfer news. How much pressure is mounting on Brendan Rodgers' future at the club? Is the game really a title decider and who's more likely to win? Is it really the same without away fans? And finally, the question that everyone always asks... Is it the greatest derby in the world? Before we continue, if you're enjoying the podcast so far, please make sure to give it a top review and rating and hit follow on your preferred podcast platform. 
Let's get straight into part two with Daniel and Frank. Daniel, to start with, we learned from our Scoop King yesterday, Pete O'Rourke, that Celtic's main priority in this transfer window is going to be a striker. They're also looking at a goal-scoring centre-mid and potentially a left-winger as well. Nevertheless, of course, a, a striker is the priority. From a fan perspective, how is that feeling? W would a striker going into this window be top of your list? I think it has to be. Um, I think we're looking you know, at the Asian Cup coming up very, very quickly. We know already this morning that... Um, all is has been called up by South Korea, um, as we would have expected. Um, there's a very high chance that Kyogo will also be called up by Japan. It's not a certainty. You know, he didn't go to the World Cup last year, um, which was a big surprise, despite him being in, you know, incredible form. His form has obviously not quite been there this year. Um, but it's pretty clear that we will be down at least one striker and possibly two. So I think it has to be a priority. Um, and even without... a the Asian Cup thing hanging over Brendan Rodgers' head. Uh, I think either way, most fans would agree that another striker needs to come in just to take a bit of the heat off of Kyogo, off of O as well, who I think has um has been has been decent, um, but he's nowhere near the finished article. Uh, so I think that that has to happen. Um, and you know, it's it's up now to the club to try and get get the right the right guy in to to help O. And I'm saying take the and Kyogo. And I'm saying to take the heat off the triggers, but also take to take heat off players like Matt O'Reilly, who said has a really has had a really good goal scoring season, you know. And it's great that there are goals coming from from midfielders. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's so important to get someone in, um, and it needs to be the right guy. I think most fans would would hope that it's not going to be um, a sort of project signing, if that's how you want to put it, as it's maybe been a bit too much, particularly with the summer signings. See, Frank's absolutely fed up with project signings. What are your thoughts, Frank, about that priority striker position? Well, I think I think he's right. It's definitely got to be with with the fact that the boys have could there's a chance the two of them could be away, um, which would leave Brendan with with absolutely nothing. Um, I think oh, it's a project. Um, I think he's not by nowhere near the finished article. He's a good goal scorer, but we need someone that can either run in. Rose not most doesn't do the running in behind like Kyogo does. And he hasn't, he likes to get a tussle, but he just can't hold the ball up. You know, he loves a tussle, but he doesn't seem to hold it much. So, um, he's, listen, he's only a young kid, he will learn. But we need some, we, we don't need any more projects. We need someone to come in, walk in and say, let us go 20 goals, because that could, if, if Kyogo's out and goes to the, the Asian Cup, then, then unfortunately, if somebody comes in and starts scoring goals, then that's their place. Um, I feel for Kyogo this year because we've not created chances for him. And now, the last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of chances, and that's lack of confidence. Um, the goal last week was done with Walter Good. Uh, unfortunately, just I just think we're not creating enough chances. You were talking about an attacking goal scorer in midfield. We've got enough of them. We need someone to sit in midfield who, when the play breaks down, we can stop it. Um, we don't have anyone in there. We've got O'Reilly's. Quite rightly, we're talking about him scoring goals and, and he's up there, but you know, McGregor's up there dictating play. Once we lose the ball, people and teams are attacking us now, there's no one sitting in midfield. Everyone, even Greg Taylor's up centre forward. I mean, it's you, you need to be aware of some teams are used to Celtic playing now and and they're going to attack and where Greg leaves it. And you need a centre midfield player. We've not had anyone since Scott Brown. Before him, it was Neil Lennon. You need someone in there. 
who is going for me anyway. That's what I think. Um, it's, obviously, it's only my opinion, but I think that's the main priority. Um, and I would say, you know, if you're maybe not January, I think we need a centre half, a good centre half. I, I mean, Scales has done wonders, but you come up against the good teams, and we're found wanting. And um, and I need we need someone. Skills is giving you a hundred percent. He's got this, you know. Never say die attitude, but sometimes you need that quality. And and a team like Celtic should have quality all round the all round the pitch. We've got a lot of prospects that could be quality, but but when when are they going to be ready? So um, I think we need four players to come in. Now, um, ready-made players, not projects. Players that are going to come in. And they can step into the team and stay in the team and let everyone else fight for their place because I think we need that. I really do. I think we need a keeper as well. Joe Hart's a great keeper, but I think he makes a lot of mistakes. But then all of a sudden, you're playing against Fairnod. He pulls out about six unbelievable saves. So I just, but and on a day to day and, you know, a game to game, I don't think he's he can do it now. He's, he's getting on, but I think I would, we spoke about it before, I would give him another contract. To, to sit and, and fight for the number one spot, but I'd get a number one in because the boys that are there are not, for me, they're not good enough. They're the keepers. And Daniel, from a from a fan perspective, again, two of the names on the list that Pete identified was Fabio Silva on loan in the window and potentially Bojan Miovski, which is, he's been spoken about for quite a while, though more, more difficult move by the sounds, although it'd be permanent. It sounds like it might be a bit of a challenge to do. It sounds like it could happen in the summer, though. Out of those two, who would you prefer going forwards? I think in, in January, it sounds like it might have to be potentially Fabio Silva, but long term, who would you rather of those two? I think Fabio Silva is a good prospect, um, but I do think, again, that the slight issue with that, although I don't have a massive problem with his using a loan in January to sort of cover the potential situation, that, like we said, of having Kyogo and O both away on international duty, um, you know, it's a good option and could see through to the end of the season. I'm a big fan of Miofsky. I think he's been fantastic for Aberdeen. Um, he's got a very strong goal-scoring record, not just domestically, but also in Europe. You know, he's got a couple of goals in the Conference League this season for Aberdeen. And they came up against some really good opposition in, in their group. Um, it's a very, very difficult group. Um, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt were there, who they beat, of course, in the last group match, who won the Europa League just two years ago, and we all know who they won it against. Um, so, you know, this is a good opposition. Um, but I think Majowski, um brings something different. I can understand though why it would be a very difficult deal to do. Um, it's not going to be cheap, and neither should it be. Um, Aberdeen clearly value him highly. He's, you know, a striker who's produced, you know, some really big moments for them. You only have to look back to the uh, League Cup semi-final when he scored that goal on the break against Hibs. You know, in a game where Aberdeen were maybe not necessarily outplayed, um, but they, you know, were dominated by Hibs and managed. To take that one chance that they got, you know, we obviously also scored a couple of goals against Rangers as well. He's a big game player, so I think he would be a good addition. And as I say, he's proven domestically in the league that he can score the goals. But as like you say, it's a difficult one. So it's a difficult one to to weigh up as to who would be better. I think Miofsky would be a great option, but um, it's again as I say, it's not surprising that it's a difficult one um, because I think you're probably talking upwards of at least five million to get him in January, um, because Aberdeen would then have to go out and um, replace him. They've got Sockler and they've got Duke, but they don't score the goals uh, nearly at the level um, that um, 
that Miofsky does. Um, so Miofsky would be a great option. If Celtic could get that deal done, I think it's worth going for. Frank, what are your thoughts? Would you like to see Fabio Silva brought in on loan or would you rather them go out for Miofsky? Listen, Celtic's a big club. They shouldn't be worrying about four or five months. I mean, you're buying a striker who's guaranteed goals. Yeah. Let's be honest, we can score goals. They can score that amount of goals for Aberdeen. The amount of score for Celtic would be phenomenal, I think, um, with the players. No disrespect to Aberdeen, but there's better players um, at Celtic. And uh, I just think it would be great. When you go out, you're getting a ready-made player. Uh, as Daniel says, he scored in, in Europe. He scored domestically for fun. I just, you know, I think you'll get him for four and a half. I, I think just go out and spend the money, you know, and, and let him and Kyogo and let Kyogo fight for the place and let oh learn off the two of them. And and then, you know, somewhere down the line, I think, oh, could be one, one hell of a player might take the two of them. Play. Um, but as I say, always a prospect, you know, get Mayoski in, I, I wouldn't mind because he's he's proven that he can score goals at any level. So um, I'd, be, I'd be quite happy with that. Frank, say, you know, Miofsky does come in. If you're Brendan Rogers, are you tempted to try him and Kyogo as a pairing, or do you think Brendan is always going to stick quite rigidly to the, that front three that, that, to be fair, Ange did as well? I think I think you've got to be... It's games for courses, isn't it? I think it's Celtic Park when you're playing against, you know, your, no disrespect, your mother was just in months and all that. You, you go with two up front. I mean... Just frighten the life out of teams. We're used to that. We don't miss passing about. To be fair, the other night there was uh, against Dundee was was a lot better than what it's been. It was it was you know the, it was a bit sharper. It was everything was done quicker. Um, and it, the intensity was there for ninety minutes. It's not been there for a while, so I'm quite happy with that. But yeah, I would play two up. It's just especially when you're needing. Needing goals, you know, I don't see why they don't. They fling it on the last 10 minutes, Daniel. So why would they not just start with two and say, here, we're going to cause you a problem? Right from the off. And I, and I don't see why we don't. But to do that, you've got somebody that's going to sit in midfield again. But I'm talking about that holding midfield because there's no way Riley's going to sit because he loves going forward. And, you know, and the, the other boys, whereas, well, we'll see what happens. I think the other boys, you know, they're couple of boys that done all right but the other night there but I think that's as we were talking about projects and can they come in and play every game 90 minutes every game I don't think so and the other the other big piece of news Frank from from Pete is that Matt O'Reilly is going to stay at Celtic in January although there's going to be major interest coming in in the summertime how much of a relief is that really given that you know he's he's leading the charge in terms of the midfield and, and he has been I think without doubt probably arguably one of the best players in the Scottish Premiership this season well what he's, what he's done is he's put goals to now he didn't do that last year you know he's got a couple he's putting a lot of goals and and he's up for, he's basically playing as that just off his acres and um, you know, and that's why I keep going back to it. So it's not, it's not really. I'd love to keep him. Um, I don't think Celtic will, will let him go to to just anyone. I think the deal's going to be, you know, Celtic are like they're, you know, they'll not they'll not sell anyone cheap. So I don't know um, if the money will come in from that uh, at this moment in time. De definitely not January anyway. Um, unfortunately, Celtic's a selling club like everyone else. If somebody comes in and offers. The price that Celtic think he's worth. Whether it's January or whether it's the summer, I think he'll go. Because that's the way Celtic are. Um, and they'll bring somebody in again and, and it's another project. But that's what I mean. If you bring four players in, it's ready-made. You know, Lewis, I, I think 
we we need that as a club to move forward. Just not just for domestic, but get them ready for Europe next year. Because it's been embarrassing the last couple of years. They've fought hard and it's not been good enough. That you know, sometimes you get injuries and the players that are coming in don't want to talk about any players, but some of the players that are coming in are just not on the level as the players that have been injured. And we've been found we've been found wanting. So um we need a good squad. We need a squad that can do it for Europe and for domestic and you know, and going hopefully we get rid of the plastic. That was a <laughs> plastic Scotland next year, that'll be a bit start, wouldn't it, Daniel? That'd be great. I think yeah. it would be, wouldn't it? But I think there's a talk that Kilmarnock are getting ready to replace theirs. So, yeah, just need Livingston to do it and then we'll go for there. The way they're going at the moment, I don't think they want to change it. They might, they might change their mind the way they're playing it. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> and if we if we focus on the other side of Glasgow and talk about Rangers, Daniel, it sounds like they're going to have a much quieter window compared to Celtic. The, stri- the striker position, of course, is their priority as well. Shanklin's potentially in the conversation, but might not happen. Also, um, there, there is another striker that's been spoken about quite a lot, but it, it might happen. Kevin Van Veen, of course, formerly at Motherwell, potentially. Do you think, as a fan, is it concerning if, if Clement manages to find a striker that can start scoring goals for them properly? Could that be the jigsaw puzzle piece that they've been missing to, to potentially go on and win the league? Oh, I think there's no question. Um, although his last sort of season and a bit at Rangers wasn't anywhere near spectacular, we can all see how much they've missed Alfredo Morelos. Um, you know, for for all his faults, he was a great talisman, a fantastic goal scorer. You know, he's their, um, I think, the record European goal scorer. You know, and you think about the list of names they've had over the years playing up top at Ibrox. You know, that's no mean feat. Um, you know, he played such a big part in their run to to the Europa League final in twenty twenty two. So they've missed that. You know, Daniel looks different. It looks decent. He's he's sort of, you know seems to be getting better the more he's played, but, you know, he's had injury problems. One of them was a really unfortunate one with a cheekbone injury, um, which was you know, a bit of a freak accident. But I think, although Dessers has started to have his moments, particularly the one he had against uh, Betis, you know, to get him out of that group, you know, that was a really good goal he scored. He's clearly not up to it. I still don't know what position Sam Lammers actually plays. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought he was brought in as a striker, then he plays as a winger. Now he's played in midfield as well, so I don't know what, what he does. I think the big problem for, for Rangers, and we, we say this every year, Frank, don't we? In the summer, they spent a lot of money on signings who, apart from, from Jack Butland, who was a, was a free transfer at the end of the day, um, the signings have just not been up to the mark at all. And ultimately, that, that, that falls on Michael Beale. Um, you know, he was backed to make huge changes to to that squad to, you know, sort of move them on, I think, if you like, from the Gerrard era, because... Um, Van Bronckhorst's team was basically Gerard's team with, with a couple of players thrown in there like Cholak, who, again, I think it's one of the craziest transfer decisions I've seen uh, for a long time when to, to sell Antonio Cholak, who I thought was a really good striker. Um, um, and I couldn't believe that. And what, what they replaced him with ultimately hasn't been up to the mark. So, yeah, um, the, the names you mentioned there, I, I watched Lauren Shankland last night. Uh, against Hibs at Easter Road, um, missed the penalty very early on in the game, but the goal that he scores to win it for Hearts at the end is just top class. Unbelievable. Um, and as an aside, you know, if he's not on the plane for Scotland in the summer to go to Germany, I think that would be mental. But it, it's obvious why Rangers want him. He, like Miofsky, is a good fit. We can see how, how, he, how he does domestically. He's also got a couple of European goals to his name as well. 
Um, Shankland, and then you mentioned Van Veen, who was absolutely brilliant uh, for Motherwell before he made the move. And it's a move that doesn't seem to have worked out for him, both from a footballing standpoint and a, a personal standpoint, because I think his family's still over in Scotland. Um, so it's not quite worked out for him to go go back to uh, the Netherlands. Um, but he's obviously on the age scale, a little bit older than Shankland. Um, so it's probably not a long-term option. You know, if we're talking about a sort of long-term alternative to Morelos or, or Cholak, I don't think Van Veen is that option. But if they could get him a, a sort of cut-price deal in January, then he's certainly a good option towards the end of the season. And it will make things interesting. It's probably the one thing that Rangers right now are, are missing is that consistent goal scorer. You know, Cantwell's come on to a bit of game, bit of a game at late, but they're still relying too much on on their captain on the right back to score goals, whether that be from the penalty spot or in or in live play. Certainly, don't start Frank on don't, don't start Frank I, on that. I'm not going to go any further than that. I'm not going to go yeah. any further than that. Um, but yeah, they can't rely on a right back to score goals, and uh, no team can be really successful and do that. Uh, so they need that alternative. But I think, like with Mioski being a difficult one in January for Celtic, I think Shankland will also be a difficult one. You know, but he's also been asked about it every uh, every opportunity, and I'm sure Stephen Naismith, the Hearts manager, will also will also be asked about it the more we get into January. So it's going to be an interesting one to see. Um, we could end up with both teams um, making some big moves in terms of of strikers in January. And Frank, one of the one of the big names, of course, that's been spoken about a lot is Abdallah Seema. Of course, looks like. He could also be signing of the summer, despite it being a loan deal. 18 premiership games this season, nine goals, two assists. Do you think that they really need to tie him down to a permanent contract with Brighton? Could he what propel them? What is the price for that? It'd be, oh, we, I think he was, Pete mentioned about 10 to 15 million pounds potentially. So not possible in January, but in the summer. It's not possible in the summer either, really. I, I, I don't know if there will be an inquest if they get 15 million to buy a player. <laughs> I think um, I think Shankland's going to be the same. He's going to be about five million. You're right, Daniel. I think it's be too dear for Rangers if they want to buy players. What they have got now is they've got they've got Sunis in there as well, and they no matter what people think him, he can pick a player. This manager looks as if he knows a player. Um, I thought Bill he ran the show. All these boys that are in there, that was his picks. That's why he's out. Um, it's a strange one for a manager to do everything. He's never played a game in his life. I'm not saying that. You don't have to. But the guy would try to do everything. And um, and he's brought some players in where no, nobody questioned how good they are. And, and it's, it's shown now. I don't think that... I don't think at the moment Rangers are playing well. They're winning games, but they're not playing well. And Celtic start playing, you know... I just want to get my players back. I don't know about you, but the, the amount that I have missed watching Hitati play is incredible. I didn't think we'd miss someone as much as that. We've not got anyone controlling things in midfield. And, and he's the guy that does that. And he's the guy that looks for Kyogo every time he gets the ball. So, um, you know, but I don't know what's... What, I don't know what you say about Celtic in this moment and going against Rangers. I think we'll beat them at Celtic Park. I think if you're not up for that, if Celtic's not for even Rangers going there, but if Celtic's not up for that game because they've clawed back, they've clawed their way back, they could go and top. Um, if Celtic's not up for that, then you should not wear the Celtic jersey again. Uh, if, if, if the players, each and every one of them, don't produce um, at the weekend, then and then then it'll be a disgrace that they're in that squad come January. Wow. I, I know. 
but the, the fans deserve better than what they've been getting. You know, Dundee, I thought they'd done brilliant. I thought the intensity and, and the, the pace and what they played was brilliant. It's back to what Brendan wants. Different style from Ange, but he got it at the weekend. Or he got it against Dundee. And um, why he wouldn't get that going in here? And everyone's got him. The last I've done with Daniel, thanks, but the last couple of games have been dire to watch. I mean, awful to watch. And when did Celtic get beat three? You know, you were hoping that you weren't going to go get beat three games in a row. That's not not been done for a long, long time. So I just hope everyone's up for it and everyone's fit. You know, Maeda has come back, but he's not had the ground run. He's not made an impact yet, but his presence on the pitch has made an impact because it's, people are scared of his pace. And uh, which makes a difference, and you know, to, to defenders and fullbacks. But I'm, just, I'm looking forward to it. It's the closest. I never thought it'd be this, this close. But you know, but I just I just don't think the defence at Rangers are, are any good. We're talking about scoring goals and all that. I'm concerned I don't even want to talk about our defence because I don't know who's going to be fit the weekend. So um, I'm not really going to talk about that because, you know, I don't know who's going to come in. But their defence is not very good. Um, 64, I'd love to play against them just now as myself. I, I think I'd back myself to score again. Daniel, the, the the big question around the game, if, if we do focus our attention on it, is that, of course, there are going to be no Rangers fans at Celtic Park this weekend. We've seen it before quite a few times. What are your thoughts? Although in, in one aspect, there is that home advantage, which might please you to an extent. It's quite disappointing, isn't it, that there's less of a rivalry on the day? What are your thoughts? Oh, no question. Um, one of the big talking points that came out of the, the Edinburgh Derby last night was how brilliant the atmosphere was. And it was. You know, there were 4,000 Hearts fans you know, behind the goal at one end and then, you know, roughly, you know, sort of 15, 16,000 Hibs fans in the rest of the stadium. And it was a great atmosphere. The Hearts fans didn't stop all night. And it makes a difference, you know, and it wasn't the best game of football, but it's just, a, even though it's not about what's happening in the stands, it does just make a game a little bit more engaging when there is a that sort of tension in there for the whole 90 minutes. And there's no question that, these derbies have missed that massively, you know. And it's one thing talking about home advantage. Well, it did do much for Rangers in, in September. You know, Celtic went there with no fans, yeah. you know, and, you know, wasn't Celtic's best performance by any stretch. Um, but it was a game where I don't remember, apart from a couple of moments in the first half, feeling particularly threatened by by Rangers. Um, you know, Kyogo scores that wonderful goal, um, you know. But Celtic, is. I think it's a weird one. With no fans in the stadium, yet yeah, it's, it's a downside for the away team, but it's almost like you can go there with absolutely no fear um, and go into that environment. I mean, Frank, you'll remember um, it was a couple of games in the mid-90s, wasn't there, where Celtic fans were banned from Ibrox. Um, and I think Celtic won at least one of them. I think John Collins scored an absolute cracker, a free kick. Um, you know, so it's been done before. You know, and Rangers probably don't come into this game with a lot of fear. I mean, why should they? They're in, you know, good form. As Frank says, they're, they're probably not playing the best football. I don't think we'll see that from them for a little while yet. I think if Philip Clement can get a couple of signings in, that will change. Um, but, but as a spectacle, and for fans, you know, for neutral fans, fans from elsewhere, it, it definitely misses that added, you know, intensity with the however many, five, it was about 7,500 Rangers fans used to be inside Celtic Park for, for the derbies. And that's intimidating. The one thing that's always been intimidated about walking into Celtic Park on, on Derby Day is seeing that huge police cordon uh, in, the, in the Lisbon Lions stand and just seeing all the Rangers fans there baying for blood, waiting for the game to start. 
and it definitely misses that and similarly when the game's at Ibrox it misses the I feel Broomlow would stand the Celtic fans making all the noise and 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 everything um so it definitely misses that but it will make things interesting on on Saturday with there being so much on the line it's not a title decider yet but with Rangers now having another game in hand after uh, the Ross County game got called off yesterday. Um, you know, if Rangers can can get three points, it's huge for them. It's it's a game that in a matter of weeks has turned into a game that Celtic would be happy not to lose to a game there where they cannot afford to do that. Um, and that adds intensity on its own. Um, but yeah, it definitely misses that. There's no question. And Frank, one of the things that, that Daniel mentioned there was, of course, their game was postponed last night against Ross County. As a former player, do having those extra days off Christmas count and how much do they count? You know, the fact that they did miss out, although it obviously there's no conspiracies going around. It's not like they managed to pull the plug on the game. We know that Aberdeen versus Motherwell was also called off as well. So we can't have any of those conversations. But how much of a difference will that make for them as a squad? It's a huge difference. It really is because Rangers have been playing so... So often uh, then ca- trying to catch up and um, it would have been a big difference. But listen, when you go into, into one of these big games, the derby games, it's it's there's nothing tiredness doesn't come into it. Trust me, it's the biggest problem for me is this: is the, the no fans because even at Celtic Park, you want them, like Daniel said, you want them shouting for blood, and and that raises the game, it raises your standard, and um, and it's not there, you know, it's just not there anymore. And I think. You know, we keep talking about Celtic Rangers. The SFA ought to do their job and get this sorted out because at the end of the day, Scottish football, we're getting paid damn good money up here. You know, they're not getting as much as what I think they should be getting Scottish football. But the TV companies are only paying for Celtic Rangers. I'm not disrespected to any of the other teams, but that's what they want. They want the Celtic and they want the, the fans in the stadium. If they pull the money on this, on this fixture. We could be in serious bother because that's what it is. I mean, it's just a, it's childish for, for me. It's um, it all started with, we don't want that. And I get Celtic because they're getting, I mean, I was there once and you're getting hit with bottles and, and you know, stuff coming down to you. You couldn't tell you what they're hitting you with on a programme like this. It's, honestly, it's, it was horrible. But when you had that side there, the atmosphere was tremendous, honestly. I mean, Lucy, I don't know if you've been to one, but it's, it's just tremendous. I broke and Celtic Park. It was, it was incredible. This week will be full of Celtic supporters. The atmosphere will be good. But it is intense when there's a both sets of supporters there and it, and it raises your game. So I hope Celtic don't turn up and just think we've got it. We've got home fans and we can and we can just turn up and win this game because I think it'll be a lot harder than what than what they think because they've not been playing well but they've been getting results, guys. And, and, and that's something that Celtic's not been doing. They've not been playing well and they're not getting results. Whereas Rangers are creeping over getting 1-0s, 2-1s and, you know, you've got to say fair play to them. They're getting that result. Whereas we're, you know, we're not getting it. So, it's a huge game for Celtic, I think. A couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, it was all about Rangers going there and they've got to win. We have to win. I don't, I, you know, I, I know what you're saying about a draw, Daniel, but we've got to win this game. You know, and... Wow. But Brendan, that's where Brendan's getting the big box. He's got to pick a team that's going to go out there and, and do and do well. I think some of these prospects that are coming in uh, have done all right, and and they're maybe getting more game time than what they would have got by this time. And uh, but that's when you've got to, you've got to show how good you are. You're playing at Celtic, you know. You've got to show that you deserve to win that jersey, and you've got to go out there and prove it. And it's every single game, not once in a blue moon. 
you have got to go there and play every game. And um, hopefully we get one or two of these prospects coming through and you go, wow, that's a good player. You know, Palmer, you know, Bernard, I, I think they've got chances coming through. The young boys, Yang, you know, like they're learning every day at training, but they're not, they're not ready-made uh, first-team players yet. So this will be a big decision. You know, I'm just gutted that Hitati's not going to be there. I'd love to, I'd love to be mistaken, Daniel, and for some reason he makes it, makes it for the weekend. It would be nice for that. Somebody told me it would just be after New Year, but if he's half, if he's ninety percent for, I'd put him in. <laughs> and. Daniel, I guess the next question, really, talking of atmosphere, I know we've discussed the element of Rangers fans not being there, but one thing I think that's actually really exciting that's brought quite a lot of relief, I think really to Celtic fans, but also just generally to the neutral, is that the Green Brigade, of course, are back at Celtic Park. How much of a difference is that going to make on the day? I think people have pointed out in recent weeks, and Frank and I have discussed that, that the atmosphere has been a bit flat and that people have been leaving early. What are they going to bring to this game? Oh, they they bring something that, that you can't buy. Um, I, you only have to look back to Ange's first season in charge. Um, the, it was the first uh, derby at Celtic Park that season where Celtic had the chance to actually go top of the league. Uh, and the atmosphere was incredible. It ended up being, I think it was a Wednesday night. Um, Celtic were 3-0 up at halftime. It was an absolutely incredible performance. And the one thing that makes that so memorable for a lot of the fans who were there um, was the atmosphere, particularly when those goals were going in. The noise was just out of this world. And, you know, the Green Brigade brings something that, you know, has clearly been missing. You know, we can talk to the cows come home about the issues behind the ban for them and the boys group also supporting it. You know, that's another debate for another day, I think. But ultimately, it's much better when they're there. Of course it yeah. is. Um, you know, they'll have some sort of display planned for the teams coming out. You know, they'll be singing for it the 90 minutes. They support the team relentlessly. Um, and if things go to plan for Celtic, it raises the atmosphere just a little bit more. Because not only have you got that corner, you know, uh, the standing section, you know, bouncing about for 90 minutes, you'll have the whole stadium bouncing about. And that's what I think everyone at Celtic would agree. We kind of need that a little bit now, uh, you know, because the atmosphere around the club in the last month hasn't been great um you know and so like frank says this is a must-win game and if celtic can get the three points on saturday i think it could be a, a sort of season defining moment um you know somebody's got to stop rangers momentum um and right now it, it does sort of feel like celtic might be the only team to, to be able to do it but you know it needs in order to get that atmosphere going in order to you know make it all worthwhile um, Celtic need to put in a performance akin to what we've seen in the last couple of games against, um, you know, like against Dundee, um, which you know was definitely proof of performance in terms of the amount of chances we created, uh, and that will certainly get the atmosphere going. But yeah, the Green Brigade make a massive difference. I think arguably it might be the most competitive derby in recent years in terms of form for, from Rangers and Celtic rather than one club dominating over the other. Frank, the other question for you, really, if we look at the bigger picture, is that if, if Rangers do go on and win the league, like Daniel said earlier, this game isn't a title decider. If Rangers do go on, they do win the league. Do you think Rodgers will be in charge next season at Celtic Park? Well, I think he will be. Listen, I don't think we can talk about that yet. I mean, that's a, that's a discussion for another 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 day. I, I wouldn't like to put pressure on Brendan this weekend. That's for sure. Um, I'll just. I think he's a good manager. I really do. I think he's one of the best coaches out there. I think if there's anyone that can bring these boys through, which Celtic tend to want, they want to bring people in for three million, seven for twenty-five. 
you know, they're not ready-made players, and that's what that's what we Celtic are at the moment. But Brendan's the guy to do that. Um, but I think you also need to back him with players, and hopefully we've got a good team out that, that's that's fit enough to go out there and do something. Because listen, Rangers are not playing well. The Green Brigade are back, and you know I've had my problems with them, but they are magnificent supporters. They come in there and they just bang a drum and they sing. As, as Daniel said, the other issues with them, I'm not too clever about either. I'm not too, but that's out with this game. Celtic need the Green Brigade, they need the boys, they need the fans, they need everyone behind them because they've been under a wee cover in recent weeks and you can't let them slip back into that. You know, they've got to kick on for Dundee because that was the intention to it was for me back to Celtic at their best and it wasn't the best team that Celtic can play, but. You know, with obviously with injuries and all that, but the intensity. Obviously, Brendan's had a word with him and says, "Look, you can't do it slowly. You can't do this. You can't break people down when you're doing it that way. So you've got to do things quick." And um, and I think it's going to be a hell of an atmosphere because the Green Brigade's back and everyone's on the same side. I think Celtic will step up to it. I'm just hoping <laughs> Brendan picks the right team, and uh, we'll, we'll, all the time we'll see. But it's going to be. I'm just gutted. I'm here, but I'm a. I'm a. <laughs> I'll be sitting with myself at top one watching. I think Lewis on that on that on that question, you know, I think I think you're right, Frank, to say that it's a bit too early. Um, but I think we can all have a I guess certainly how the fans would feel if that yeah. scenario plays out. You know, I think with the success that Celtic have had over the last eleven years, the dominance that Celtic have had barring that one that one season where, where Rangers did win the title. Um, you know, fans are so used to seeing Celtic yeah. succeed and win at least one trophy a season, and it does feel like we're now reaching a point um, where, you know, if Celtic don't win the league, then it's it's on the manager, and the manager, um, his head is on the chopping block. You know, maybe it is a bit early to say this, but I do think if Celtic don't win the league this season, I don't think Brendan Rodgers can be the Celtic manager. You know, Brendan wow. was brought in to not just carry on the domestic success, he was brought in to improve us in Europe. And that's not just something that fans were saying or me the media was saying. That's something that he said at his first press conference back yeah. and his first yeah. interviews that he was doing. I want us to be successful in Europe. I want us to make that next step. But we haven't done that yet. Yeah, there were some good performances, a couple of decent results, Atletico at home, beating Feyenoord in, in the last group game. You know, nice to do that. And um, But ultimately... You know, I think this will be just another one of those seasons from a Champions League point of view that we just look back on as what could have been um, in terms of at least getting I, into Europa League. I get that, Daniel, but the biggest thing for me is I'm looking and saying, we brought, has, has Brendan brought any players in? He came in for to do well in Europe and to do well, you know, domestically, but has any of the players his? I, 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 what I'm talking about. You cannot blame him if he's been given a team and, and he, I know he was promised money. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's not happening, maybe he'll walk before then. Because if, if he doesn't get it, it's all coming on his head as a bad coach. And sometimes, you know, he can't just be giving players and say, here, deal with them. You know, a manager with Brendan's reputation, you've got to spend money. You've got, you want, and if there's no way, I think you agree that Brendan came at Celtic without a promise of you'll get this amount of money. No, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and I, I, I I if you spend any, Daniel, I don't think there's any money been spent through Brendan. I just can't see. There's no way Brendan's going to bring in young 
youngsters that I think he may have okay to say, yeah, okay, but that's for the future. And I think he's been flung in, he's got to play them all now, so it means we've not got a squad that's good enough or big enough to go in, on all fronts. Because let's yeah. be honest, the fans want a treble every year. And if you want a treble and a, a run in Europe, I mean, that's a good, that's a good, not just a big squad, a good squad you need. And I don't think Brendan's had any help with that. No, absolutely. I think I think that's a fair point. You know, there, I think there's definitely a couple of those signings that came in in the summer that were players who I think Marco Telly is probably quite a good example of this, where these were players that had been identified possibly by Ange Postecoglou or identified by Mark Lowell, who's obviously in charge of recruitment, and Ange Postecoglou has given the thumbs up while he was still the manager to, and I'm, I'm totally speculating here, um, was saying, yeah, absolutely, go and chase that guy. Um, you know, because Tilly was another one that even though he's only played twice, he's going to the Asian Cup as well for Australia. He always gets picked by them, but that's another thing. But yeah, I think that's a fair point, Frank. Um, I think there's a lot of signings that were made in the summer that didn't appear to be ones that he had, had chased. I think an example of one where he definitely had a big say in it was, was Nat Phillips coming in on loan because he'd worked with him at Liverpool. Um, but that was obviously done as a, a sort of emergency signing with the injury problems we had at the time. Um, the only ones where I still can't get my head around it is the likes of Lagerbielka and Mike Navrovsky. You know, Navrovsky, from what I can remember, appeared to be brought in as a first-choice centre-back. You know, we knew Starfelt was leaving at that point, I think. It wasn't confirmed, but it was on its way to happening. And Navrovsky came in and looked like he was going to, you know, probably take his place beside Carter Vickers as the as the main centre back and he's barely kicked the ball since about September or something, you know, so that's a huge question mark. But I do still think that, you know, we're talking about how good a coach, how good a manager Brendan Rodgers is. And he's got a great track record, not just with Celtic. You know, apart from the last season at Leicester, you know, he won the FA Cup. He took them so close to the Champions League on two occasions. And he also got them to the semi-final of a European competition. You know, and he did a great job at Liverpool as well, and at Swansea. We could, we could go on about all his managerial successes. Um, but if we're talking about him being such a great coach, then I still think, even with some of the issues that we're having, that we should be doing better than we are. And I know we've only lost, you know, three games in the league this season. And I know that one of the contentions from fans outside of the Celt Celtic and Rangers sort of bubble can't get their head around Celtic fans being so angry about losing two games on the trot. <laughs> when we win the majority of games, which I totally get. Um, but I suppose in that bubble, it's, it's totally different. And, and Frank will know that better than anyone having, having played for Celtic um, twice um, and played in, in one season, particularly that centenary year where the pressure was on massively to win the title that year. And obviously, the, the, Frank and the boys did it. Um, but, you know, Brendan knows better than anyone what it means to manage Celtic Football Club. Um and he also knows that the very bare minimum that a Celtic manager needs to achieve is to win the league. Um, and once again, a big thing hanging over uh, the heads of Celtic and Rangers this year is the fact that there's automatic entry into the new, yeah. I don't think we'll call it the group stage anymore, the Champions League. Uh, we'll call it the league format, whatever we're calling it. You know, And the guaranteed money that that brings, you know, and... Again, we could talk about how much Celtic are actually spending with that money that is coming in, but that's the reality of it. Celtic cannot afford to not win the league. And while I do have a lot of time for Brendan Rodgers, I was happy when he came back. I thought he was the best option for the job um, under all the circumstances with Ange leaving and Brendan being available. Um, I still think that Brendan has to win the league. Otherwise, it's hard to see him being in, 
being in the job. And I think that would ultimately, there'd be huge fan pressure on, yeah. on Brendan Rodgers. We've already seen it, you know, and I know a lot of it plays out in social media um, and it's hard to judge just how seriously we, we should really take that. But fans' opinions are fans' opinions and, you know, um, and Brendan will be under hum- a huge amount of pressure if we lose on Saturday and things end up going against Celtic overall. I think he knows it's a result business. I think every manager goes to and it's a result business. And I think he will get that, but I don't think it will get to that. I really don't. I think we're a better team and we get players back and get some players in in January. We're a better team at the moment than Rangers. I don't think they can spend in, in this, you know, the papers, you know what the papers are like, they'll say they're going to buy this 20 million this, 15 million that. You know, all these, I mean, one of the players come in and says he's 12 million pound, but they got him for a million. I mean, really? You know, he, he was valued at 12 million, but we got him for that's what the Rangers team were saying. I'm thinking, really, that's, that's, a, that's a new one for me. You know, yeah, we'll give you that because we like you. Okay. And um, that doesn't happen in, in real terms. So I think Celtic have got to step up. They've got to buy a couple of players. If they get a couple of players in, I would love four. If they get two or three, um, I'd love a backup for Joe Hart. I don't know what you think, but I just think the boy's coming in behind him. The one, the keeper from Dundee United, he's never been fit one day. I mean, he's, he's I thought, what a signing he is. Kind of I can't remember. I thought I thought the same, Frank. I mean, I, I, I hate to mention the guy's name, but it's starting to fall along the lines of Marvin Comper a little bit, isn't it? You know, Seagrass came in. He's been fantastic for Dundee United. Looked like a really good setup. I thought he was being brought in with an idea for him to eventually become the number one. Well, I thought that as well, but all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, even if he's number, you know, they two fighting, I thought great. But he's never been fit, and the yeah. only boy is a boy Bain, and I no disrespect to him, but I don't think he's. I think his hair's a bit heavy for him, you know, when he's in there. I think he's pressure right to the start because he's made a couple of mistakes. And 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 I'm not meaning to be rude to the boy, but when you make a mistake, you know, you've got we're talking about Shanklin, he doesn't give a monkey's he missed a penalty last night at Big David scored. That's the kind of attitude you've got to have at Celtic and Rangers, you know, in the big clubs. So if Bain's made a mistake, it that should be washed out the window and because you're going to make a mistake the next time you keep thinking about it. And I think, unfortunately, that's what he's been doing. And and to play for Celtic, you've got to have that kind of attitude. Well, I made a mistake. If I miss it, it's for me missing a chance. Missing a chance, you keep thinking about it, you'll miss the next one. You know, you can't do that. That's, Q- that's, that's Kyogo's attitude summed up, isn't it? I mean, there's been so <laughs> many games where he's had two or three chances that we all think he should score. And then he gets one and he does score. And, you know... Um, we're obviously looking for, for more of that from him at the moment, but he's supposed to need to get the chances in the first place. But you're absolutely right. Um, I think Bain works as a backup goalkeeper. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting one. And it's hard to tell right now who Celtic could go for in that position. But I think, you know, talking of, you know, the players that Celtic should be going for, I think we, we agreed that we need to look for a striker, probably a sort of holding midfielder. I would, although we, you could argue we do need one, I would be very, very surprised if a centre-back does come in. Um, because, you know, unless Lagerbielka were to leave, which there's obviously been some chat about, which would be, you know, a very strange bit of business um, overall, um, then, then maybe someone will come in. But I think if the current centre-back cohort, aside from Phillips, who's going to go back to Liverpool, I think we all expect that. If it stays that way, I can't okay. see us bringing another centre-back. Because then you've got, what, You've got Welsh, Carter Vickers, Scales, Navrovsky, Lagerbielka. I mean, I mean, you can't keep them all happy. Uh, 
but but if he's not playing Navroski and he's not playing like a Belker, then that's two. Uh, do I think Welsh and the rest of the boys that are up for scales are up for a, a European run? No, I don't think so. I just don't. And no, it's no disrespect to the boys. Um, but I, yeah, bring them in and they play a couple of games. Great. I would like to see. I mean, this is a stream where I forget saying half, and I'd love to see scales at left back. I would love to see him at left back. He's a better defender than Greg Taylor. No disrespect to Greg, but he loves going forward. If I'm a centre-forward, Daniel, I don't know what you say, but if I'm a centre-forward and Greg Taylor keeps running up into my space, I'd be telling him to get where to go. Because he'll go now, he's running by him, and you're going, where? You know, you want, centre-forward is wanting space, and I keep shouting, <laughs> keep shouting. And, and teams are targeting Greg now because they're putting it back into left, into his position. You know, if we... I say, if we start to wrap up, I won't ask for match predictions. I know Frank's given his. Daniel, I'll assume that you're you're going to be backing a, a Celtic win quietly, but won't say more than that. It's, I think it's the old heart says Celtic head says not sure. <laughs> no, there you go. Well, there, there's the answer. The, the question I would like to ask you both, of course, Frank, you've played in this match in particular. I think it's undeniable this is arguably the best derby in the United Kingdom. Is it, though, the best derby in the world? Well, I would think it was the best derby in the world. I always fancied and said that, but got to have both sets of supporters in the stadium. And, you know, they play a massive part. It's not just the football. The football has usually been terrible, to be honest with you, but the atmosphere and the tackles and, and it's just, and the referees let things go and it's where they wouldn't any other game. But this one, the atmosphere, everyone gets caught, but you've got to start. It's my wish for next year, you know, get the fans back in the stadiums and... Um, and let, let us go and, and enjoy this stuff because it's the only one. Anywhere in the world you go, Lewis, when I lived in England, that's the only game the English boys would go to the pub to watch. You know, and you go, you go to Australia, you go anywhere, and it's, everyone gets up at God knows what time to watch this game. You wouldn't get that anywhere else. So, yeah, it's, for me, it's the biggest derby in the world, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's even better than Celtic one. <laughs> Daniel, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think in terms of potential competition, you're probably only talking about as an actual sort of derby game, maybe Boca Juniors and River Plate, because that obviously um, is intimidating as it gets. It depends what if you want to call Barcelona or Real Madrid a derby, maybe El Clasico, although I don't even think El Clasico is quite the game that it used to be. Um, you know, maybe Man United Liverpool, but again, is that even really a derby? Um, you know, I suppose it gets the sort of Derby moniker, doesn't it? But yeah, like Frank says, when you've got a 50 or a 60,000 stadium with fans from both sides creating that incredible atmosphere, making that noise when you've got two teams going at it, you know, with everything they've got, you know, there have been some, you know, absolute classics over the years. Um, I'm biased. I've lived in the Celtic Rangers bubble for a, for a very long time. You know, it, it probably is. Um, but like Frank says, it, it needs that. It needs that element of having home and away fans in the stadium. And until that changes, until both sides get around the table and thrash it out and figure something out, then it's, so they, it's not going to get back to that. Frank, what yeah. did you say? They, they need to grow up. They need to get around the now table. They need to. Yeah. Well, my answer is I, I'm actually going at the weekend, so I will give a predict. I will give... I will give an answer once I've been. I won't say anything more than that. Once I've gone and experienced it, I'll, 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 I'll give an opinion. 
That was absolutely brilliant. So much gossip and exclusive news across both clubs today. Thanks very much to Peter Rourke, Daniel Bowers and Frank McAvenny for all their transfer updates, expert analysis and insight across so many stories. If you have enjoyed this podcast episode, please give it a share on social media wherever you can. And any clips you see on YouTube, make sure to give us a like and a comment as well as subscribing to the channel. I'm Lewis Piers and we'll speak to you all on the next show here on the Inside Track.